Hello, Cachimbonas. I'm really excited to be bringing you episode 23 of season 5 of Radio Cachimbona. Radio Cachimbona is an abolitionist podcast that audio archives state repression and fierce migrant resistance in the southern Arizona borderlands and breaks down case law and politics from a leftist perspective. As a first-generation professional whose parents are Salvadoran immigrants, Yvette prioritizes uplifting the voices and histories of Central Americans. On this episode, I was really honored to bring back Luisa Lopez, reproductive rights and justice expert, to talk about the state of abortion care in Arizona post Dobbs. It was a really illuminating conversation. We discussed the fetal personhood law that caused immediate confusion among abortion providers statewide after the Supreme Court released the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, the complications around publicizing abortion care amidst fear of its criminalization and fears over its criminalization, and clarifies which abortion providers have forged forward and which have stopped services altogether. We also talked about Montana's preemptive ban of medication abortion for out-of-state patients. If you want to support the podcast, the best way is to become a Patreon. For 5 to $10 a month, you can receive early access to episodes like these and exclusive access to the lit reviews, which are book club-style chats with women of color. I'm very excited currently to be reading Latinx Art by Arlene Davila. It's a super interesting book about the role that Latinx artists have been positioned in in, in the art world. And I'm really excited to be talking about it with Jen C. Paz, who has been on the Lit Review before. Another totally 100% free way to support the podcast is by leaving a reading and review on Apple Podcasts. There hasn't been a review since February, so it would be great to get some more recent reviews about what you've been loving about the podcast and also telling a friend to tell a friend about the podcast and sharing on social media at Radio Cachimbona on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is also very welcomed. I hope that you all enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Elisa, so much for coming back onto the podcast. I wish it was under better circumstances, but we are here to talk about the state of abortion care in Arizona after the Dobbs ruling. So before we get into that, I just wanted to say thank you for coming back onto the podcast and ask how you're doing. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me again to to speak. I'm doing all right. I would say the last three weeks have been kind of this whirlwind, but remaining optimistic. We'll see. I, I love that. I think we all need a bit of optimism. So I appreciate you having that and sharing that with us today. In Arizona, Planned Parenthood announced that it was halting all procedures because of the legal confusion created after SCOTUS made its decision in Dobbs, which explicitly overruled Roe. But at the same time, uh, abortion providers like Choices Women's Center is providing abortions for people up to seven weeks of pregnancy as of July 17th. So I wanted to ask, what is the state of abortion care in Arizona right now? It has been quite confusing 
uh, when the SCOTUS decision was announced, um, not only did Planned Parenthood stop, but the majority of our independent providers chose to stop as well. Mm-hmm. And reason being, we have we had a fetal personhood law active on the books that had been tied to last year's genetic abnormality ban, um, SB fourteen fifty seven. And uh, this fetal personhood law would grant the um, classified fetuses, embryos, and fertilized eggs as people starting at the point of conception. Wow. And fertilized so, egg. Correct. So even though abortion was technically legal, the fact that the Supreme Court had now removed those protections, it was very unclear um, which law was taking precedent in our state, right? And so we actually, the litigation team for SB 15, uh, 1457 last year, um, the Center for Reproductive Rights, had asked the courts to block this personhood provision along mm-hmm. with the genetic abnormality provision, and the courts had denied it at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why there was confusion. Right. Providers were uncertain about the new criminal risks present with this active on the books. And so providers chose to stop care and it was very abrupt. It was. It was definitely, how would you say, it it just, you know, patients were literally en route to appointments, receiving calls from clinics, being Mm -hmm. told your appointment's been canceled today. Um, There were two, I believe two clinics that chose to, to keep moving forward. And it, it became a matter of each provider needed to assess their own risk and, right. and what they were willing to do. Right. Well, that's very inspiring that there were those two clinics who decided to, to keep providing abortion services. Yes. And it was also kind of like, we didn't, we didn't want to, publicly share that right it was a matter right. of like we didn't know what kind of information as organizations mm-hmm. to share out with our communities publicly on social right. media if we spotlighted them too much right would the fetal personhood right. part come after them or if we let it fly under the radar how are you know hoping people are going to reach out to that clinic and know but on our organization side with the abortion fund, we immediately started to kick into the plan as we had already been preparing as an option, right? To just focus on getting people out of state in mm-hmm. this in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very stressful. And and then we had the fetal personhood blocked last week. And so- Yes, by a, another federal judge. Yes. And so now after, once that happened, providers felt, okay, this is a, a good window right now mm. to resume services. Mm-hmm. And so our abortion clinics have been operating since last week. We were concerned. We actually lost a clinic in the process, right? Because um, oh, no. when you go a couple of weeks without any business, you have bills to mm. pay, you have employees, you know, people were concerned they were going to lose their jobs. And so we were worried that we did lose an independent provider for good. But fortunately, they have also resumed. Oh, okay. So we're back to all five of our indie clinics, which is so important to name because once you mm-hmm. lose clinics, it's so hard to get a clinic back. Um, the yeah. financial strain is immense. And so all the providers are offering limited care. 
Um, the majority of them right now are doing medication abortion. There's mm -hmm. one clinic we know of offering surgical procedures. Um, but I believe Planned Parenthoods have still stopped in Arizona. They've stopped all, all abortion procedures? From my understanding, from what I've last heard, is Planned Parenthoods have not resumed their abortion services at all. But the independent okay. providers have chosen to resume. Yeah, see, I think this is very important to point out because recently, I think a well-intentioned person, like, had a birthday party where at a bar that was fundraising for Planned Parenthood. And I was like, um, I don't support this. <laughs> I support your birthday and celebrating it. But, you know, right now is the time to be giving to abortion funds, to these independent clinics that have decided to keep providing services, you know, I I was already dissuading people before Dobbs was came down. I was already dissuading people from giving to Planned Parenthood because it's it has the most visibility. It ha it gets the most money already, and you know, with stuff like this, it's like okay. And it's also like a little your your decisions are a little dubious, uh -huh. <laughs> like little hmm, make me want to pause and evaluate <laughs> what your what your priorities are as an organization so yeah thank you for thank you for laying out that that accurate landscape that's really important to know because I, like i said i think this person was well-intentioned uh -huh. but i think they just didn't they just didn't know and i hope that they're listening to this episode right now yeah <laughs> I mean, I, I will share that like Planned Parenthood serves a purpose, right? Like this is how I view yes. larger organizations in the movement, right? Like they, mm. they have immense power to some extent. Yes, yes. And I think they have started with, with this, the so many changes in leadership that they've had both on the, the national mm. level and then even on our local level here in Arizona. Yeah they have started to kind of be more self-aware as an organization and their position in okay. the community and, and really taking open direction from yeah. groups on the ground that don't have that kind of spotlight. Yeah. And at the same time, yes. And in, in these, in this future, it's about assessing now the risk levels you're willing to take to help patients right. get abortion care. Right. And it really doesn't help when a national, a large national mm -mm. player chooses to scale back yeah. and, and comply with, with these kind of restrictions and bans that are coming yeah. down on people, right? We're seeing yeah. plan, even now with the state of travel, Planned Parenthoods are so concerned out, you know, in states now that are protected with access, you know, there's now, I think it was Montana that had released and I may be wrong on this. So somewhere up there. Okay. Um, but one of those states, can they, check after this. yes, I'll have to check. Yeah. Uh, they had announced that they would not provide medication abortion to mm -hmm. any patient traveling from a state that were, that had been banned. 
because mm. the process requires you to take two different pills within a 24 hour window. Yeah. And so you go into state land where abortion is protected to take your first pill. Uh-huh. And then they're assuming you're returning home because you are in that condition to be able to travel mm-hmm. and that you're finishing your procedure process on land where it's now prohibited. Right. right. And so all these kind of you know, conflictions now around the legalities of things, but it's very disheartening when you do see those major players step back and not, you know, not take on more risk as needed. This is not the time to be just like hanging low and complying. Exactly. You know, I think this is important to say like, you know, post Trump, which who was like very much a fascist president in a lot of ways I think, like, one, I remember reading something that said one of, like, one of the really important things to do under fascism is to, to not self-regulate your own behavior to, to comply with what you think is required of you. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, like th- this, this thing that you just shared about a Planned Parenthood b- saying, oh, we can't provide medication abortion to somebody who's out of state and coming from a state where it's criminalized because uh, theoretically we could be aiding and abetting a crime. Like mm-hmm. that, nobody has even said, nobody has even prosecuted that. Nobody has even tried that. And yet you are, you are changing your behavior as if that was true. Like you are helping fascism in like you're accelerating it <laughs> when true. when yeah. you do when you do things like that you know and um that's just why i think it's actually very dangerous and kind of irresponsible for such a high profile organization to be doing that cuz like you said like i mean it's i love it that in arizona and there are these independent clinics that are like whatever we're not going to you do your thing we're do all we're, we'll do our thing but I imagine that, you know, in other places, like this, their decision is having an impact on on how people are weighing their risks and, you know, deciding whether or not to keep their clinics open. So it is disappointing that, you know, you would expect them to be a leader, but they're kind of, but they're like regressing and not stepping up to the plate. Yes, I, I did just fact check. It is Montana that okay. they have preemptively restricted out-of-state patients with access to abortion pills. So as you named, right, they're already speeding up this process of further restriction and planting yeah. seeds of how we can be criminalizing yeah. patients in right. other ways, right? Right. Because it's like you said, that's like all theoretical. It's like, well, like, is that happening? Are people leaving? Like, you know, uh, well, yeah, patient, that, that is very frustrating. It is because a patient can stay in Montana overnight and finish it as well. Right. Right. So it's just like, how far are these organizations going to go that, as you stated, they're actually aiding with um, preventing access to people. And um, you bringing up again, the abortion providers, I I do want to name like, it is a really frightening time for abortion providers in our state. Yeah. They are yeah. not making these decisions lightly. They yeah. understand there are such severe risks that could play out for them. And yeah. at the same time, we have to be pushing back against these kind of bans. Yeah. 
Like, this is not okay to be doing in our state, right? We saw that Planned Parenthood. Well, you know, Mark, is it pronounced Bronovich, correct? Bronovich, I think. Bronovich. Um, Filed to lift the injunction in Tucson. Yes. And then you have Planned Parenthood who's going to be involved in that legal battle. Yeah. Um, You know, but like. As you say, they do serve a purpose. They do. They, they, they have the funds to take on these like legal cases. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. they're, they have such so much power in that realm to be protected versus an independent provider. Right. Where yeah. all of their, their financial resources would just get depleted in a type of lawsuit. Right. I wanted to take a step back and have you explain more about this fetal personhood bill and what it said. Yes. So the personhood law in the SB 1457 abortion genetic ban last year classified fetuses, embryos, and fertilized eggs as people. And that was very confusing language to begin with in that bill, because this is an abortion bill, right? Like it's abortion ban restricting abortions for genetic abnormalities. And then they snuck in this part about like, oh, and by the way, a fetus is a person. But they crafted this bill knowing that the future ahead probably had this scenario of SCOTUS overturning Roe, right? And Mm -hmm. so there was language in there that Um, stated as long as abducted on the federal level, then this is, you know, not apply to abortion care, the, the personhood part, mm-hmm. but they, they planted that in there knowing, right. and then this is what happened, right? There was lack of clarity when um, the Center for Reproductive Rights had asked the judge to block it and the judge refused because the way it's been explained to me was, you know, the judge's response was like, well, we don't know what this would do. We've never seen a case. So why are we concerned about this? Right. And then this is why we're concerned. There's no possible good outcome that could come of that law. (laughs) Yes. It's like, this should never be on our books at all. And it finally was blocked after they filed an emergency motion, I believe, shortly after the SCOTUS ruling to, to have that blocked. That case is still in litigation. Mm. And we're still waiting to hear the outcome of that, right? We're also waiting to hear from the courts in Tucson around the injunction yeah. of the three row ban. So we're, we're like three weeks in, I think we're the fourth <laughs> weekend now, and we still don't know what the hell is happening in Arizona. Right. What was the reason that the judge gave for, temp- for temporarily prohibiting the enforcement of that that portion of the bill that the fetal personhood provision? Well, I wasn't a part, I'm not part of those litigation teams, but what I know is the judge did not block it when litigation started. From my understanding, their, the judge's response was like, well, we, we've never seen a case around fetal personhood. So what, you know, what is this going to do? We don't know what this would do and just kind of left it, right? So yeah. they ignored the requests of the litigation team to block it. But now it has been blocked, right? And mm-hmm. so, and I don't have too much details about that, that grant, the court granting that from the last week. Um, but that is a win, at least for our state, Yeah, definitely. in the sense that, okay, providers felt certain enough to be mm-hmm. able to resume abortion care with the understanding of how the laws are structured, right? And right. so that, that's that been helpful. And 
Now we're just hoping this this judge in Tucson has the most common sense to not enforce a territorial law from over 100 years ago. (laughs) I wanted to ask about that pre-row law and what does it say slash do? So the pre-row law um, was... It's a territorial law before even Arizona was a state. And then... Um, That's very it, wild. It's like such an interesting priority to have as a territory. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, I'm going to keep butchering his name. Bernovich. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and then even Bernovich making statements like, this law reflects what the people want, right? Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't. This is a year, a hundred years ago. Like, we were not around for this. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so, 120 years ago at this point. To, to have that excuse that this is a true reflection of what Arizona wants is just wild. Um, but this law states that a person who provides supplies or administers to a pregnant woman mm-hmm. or procures such woman to take any medicine, drugs, or substance or uses or employs any instrument or other means, whatever, with intent thereby to procure the miscarriage of such woman, mm. unless it is necessary to save her life, shall be punished by imprisonment in the state prison for not less than two years, nor more Jesus than five Christ. years. So this is a really um, far stretching yeah. law. This, this can criminalize anyone and everyone, right? right? And so this is why this is really dangerous to, to keep this. I mean, this has the language procure, and procure can be defined as financial assistance. It can be right. defined as giving somebody a ride to their appointment. Right. can be defined as you somehow, you know, it coming back that you gave directions on how to get to a clinic somewhere else, right? Right. Right, they right. can come back at anyone and everyone for this. Um, and it's it's such a fear-inducing um, statute to have on our books. Right. What have DA said about enforcing that law? From my, I have not had a chance to follow up on many responses, but let's see, the acting DA after, let's see, Mitchell, correct? Maricopa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they yeah. have they have stated they, they made a very very weird vague statement that <laughs> they did they need they need they would need to look at the law <laughs> and see just right. not reassuring at all. It's not because at this point it's like this was written a hundred years ago and there's never been yeah. like discussions in our active state legislature about how would we modernize this how does this apply to, mm. to modern mm. days right and then we have the governor also giving a conflicting viewpoint of stating the 15-week ban is the law that should take precedent right like that mm. was the most recent ban that he signed so you have Bernovich and Ducey opposing <laughs> having opposing views about which law takes place so that's why our state just looks like a mess but we do see you know mitchell saying that they're being very cautious and also you know they're like well for case i'll take caution around cases involving children or rape or incest but what we know like oh thank god (laughs) that's what they say right like we'll see that in action um that's that's the bare minimum. You should not be enforcing this law at all. Like, 
right that's very scary because this is the maricopa county da and that's the phoenix metro area and yes. that's a lot of people in arizona and that's like that's a pretty central hub of, of people and people who need abortions yeah and then the the lengths that you have to even go to to prove like your abortion is of this outcome, right? Like this is just not, Yes. this is not, and that's why focusing on exceptions is so harmful, right? Like you'll hear a lot of language of, you know, or even here people getting angry because our ban doesn't include in exceptions. Well, we need to talk about that because yeah. even the people who would qualify for these exceptions have so many significant barriers to even accessing care and the type of trauma you force people to go through again, just to prove that they are needing this because of an exception is extremely stigmatizing and harmful to that patient. Yeah. And it's kind of like it, like the whole law itself require, like if you think about enforcing it would require so much like invasive investigatory techniques. Like, you know, how, yes. would you, how would you prove that something was, is a miscarriage versus an abortion? Like mm-hmm. what, what would that require? You know, it's like, it, it's scary to think about like what this gives license to police officers to try and do, you know? Yes, because the future of where we're headed is just criminalizing pregnancy outcomes now in right. general. Right. Like it, you can, and we see this happen in other countries all the time where abortion yeah. is banned. Anyone who yeah. has a miscarriage, you are mm-hmm. instantly assumed to have tried to commit, a, you know, have an abortion in some way. Right. Um, and you're jailed. And then we know there's a large population of people who choose abortions who are already parents. So now we're putting parents into prison and then you're going to have that trickle effect of like, okay, what happens to their children? Now Mm -hmm. they go into the state custody system, right? Like now parents lose rights to their, their current living children. Um, It becomes a big mess. It's really harmful. Yeah. Yeah. How, so why is it that clinics stopped abortion service provisions? So, quickly after Dobbs came down? I mean, you explained that it was the fetal person provision that had people freaked out, but like that's has been on the book since, uh, since last year or maybe mm-hmm. longer. So like, why were people caught off guard? I mean, like, were they just, they just really didn't think it was going to happen right now this fast or what? Well, you know I, what I mean? Like, why yeah. would you schedule appointments on, on? well, I guess no, I, we never knew what day it was coming down. That's a hard one. Correct. Yeah. We, we didn't know what day it was coming. And, yeah. you know, the clinics, clinics were working overtime to see as many people. At, I can only speak for independent providers, right? Like, to yeah. see as many people as they could in that month of June um, because, yeah, the reality was, and, and what I also heard was people, so when you're part, when you're having a two day procedure, which is mm-hmm. usually after 16 weeks, right? You have to take medication to start your process on the first day. And then you come back to finish your abortion on the second day. There were people between those two day mm-hmm. windows when right. this SCOTUS decision came down, right? And oh for the health and safety of that patient, 
providers had to finish those. Those were the exceptions on that day, you know, with with them canceling everyone's because yeah, you can't like leave people in limbo in the middle of their process and then be like, Oh, this is not allowed. So, um, providers just finished what they needed to do to attend to any active patients. And then they had to start making calls to share, like the laws are very unclear and that's not fault of, you know, the, our community or provider, that's mm-hmm. fault of our state. We had yeah. the state legislature instantly kind of releasing a press release saying mm-hmm. the free row ban goes into effect. And yeah. then it's like, no, that's not how this works. Like, and then you yeah. like had- literally hours after Dobbs came down, the Arizona GOP state senators announced that the pre row ban was in effect. And they said true. There was an injunction in place actually from 1973. (laughs) Right. So then we have ACLU like, you know, working overtime to really like stay on top of all this like essential bullshit that's just coming out of our state legislature, right? Because the state legislature is sending this press releases to clinics, which is causing fear, right? Because like instantly providers are and, and this is known to happen. We see this all across the country where like within the hour a lot can change and a provider's just like oh my god we have to stop right and so because there was lack of clarity of and then you had Ducey saying wait the 15-week ban is going to actually take effect that was like the latest why did he say that because that was the latest bill he signed however he wants to like claim authority over this anti-abortion bill well So it seems like there is just power tension. Like Nancy Bartow, Nancy Bartow, (laughs) Senator Nancy Bartow was the crafter of SB 1457 that included the fetal personhood and um, has stated numerous times that in, and also crafter of this year's 15 week ban. And she has stated numerous times that the, these bills have language that do not override putting the pre-row ban at the forefront and in Ducey's mind he's like but wait I just this is the latest bill I just signed right and so um they're having those opposing views and that's why the GOP felt so emboldened to send out that press release because they're in their mind they're just like no we've been crafting laws that explicitly state this does not override our pre-row ban should the federal right. protections be removed, right? This is just additional punitive outcomes, you guys. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah, really it's just mad is that our elected officials just like don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know the Arizona state legislature is like very funny in that way. Like they just the GOP just passes like so many bills. That like some like they they did this in the voting rights context as well. They've passed like a hundred anti voting rights bills, and some of them even like contradict each other. Mm-hmm. They're just like really, they're very fervent. Um, they're trying yeah. to see what sticks, and yeah. then it causes yeah, they these really kind are. of problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for explaining this landscape. It's a very complicated one, and it was super unclear to me like why people stopped providing abortion on the day that. Dobbs came down because because of this other injunction that had been in place. So mm-hmm. thanks so much for outlining the fetal personhood provision and how that played into it. You're welcome. And that, you know, I I do not doubt we're going to see more of those kind of bills coming out across the country. Like we were the first state to have that language um, get passed and stay active. Uh, and yeah. so 
I imagine that's going to start to be a trend. I mean, we're already seeing, I'm sure you saw this just this week, right? The North Carolina bill that has resurfaced that actually was, was presented last year Mm. um, about, you know, now we want to normalize uh, murdering a pregnant person to save the fetus. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and so It's we're going to see really wild things. It is. It's we're going to see really, really scary and wild things towards patients and providers Mm -hmm. and anyone who's assisting in the community. And from the patient side, I just want to share too that in Arizona. So like you have this landscape happening with providers and clinics, and then you have patients abruptly having their appointments canceled. And clearly like they themselves are panicking because now they're uncertain if even asking for where to go is legal. Right. And so through our abortion fund, we're quickly like sending people out. And um, even before the SCOTUS ruling, since, you know, patients have had to travel out of state already Mm -hmm. as it was in Arizona. And so we have patients going to California, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico. Um, And so helping people get out of state, but then, they're coming up against new barriers, right? Like the new thing we were seeing is like, people are just, they're having to rent cars. Like they don't even have transportation that's reliable to get them out of state. And then they'd have their appointment set up and then we'd be getting all the things in place. And then they would hear, oh, Arizona is offering care again. So I'm going to cancel this appointment over here and I'm going to hope I can get into my local clinic now, but then local clinics are trying to prioritize like the patients they had to cancel on two weeks ago. Right. And so then there's like this delay in wait time and a poor patient then again is waiting. And then they're also scheduling a future appointment like a week or two out in case Arizona flips again. So it's just really been madness for patients. Like, for them to have to scramble and and try to just get an appointment anywhere that they can. Right. Well, to try and end things on a more positive note, I want the <laughs> last thing that I ask interviewees this season is what is something that is giving you life or that has given you life recently? Oh goodness. You know, this work is just so ingrained in my own personal survival that Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like, and I think many um, activists and people deep in the movement have, you know, carry this sense that like, because of our life experiences that have brought us into this work, it's so hard to sometimes remove and not feel like every day we're we're just like living through this. Right. And so like live living and breathing this work. But um, something that's really giving me hope is just, I'm diving into my own personal spiritual practices. I really mm. love astrology and tarot. And um, I'm doing more of that for myself. And also just spending more time in nature. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was very um, fortunate to have just recently done like a beach camping trip, um, which I've been wanting to camp for a while, but I'll share. I'm a little afraid of doing that. And then I, I went with a friend who has more experience camping. And then I was like, let's go to the beach because being near the water has always been a very like healing, yeah. and peaceful, peaceful way to reconnect with myself and, and mm-hmm. stay grounded. And so 
in all of these moments of stress and uncertainty, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in cycles of fear and despair and feeling so overwhelmed. But I find for me, like I need to be reconnecting in nature on a weekly level. Right. And, Mm. and reminding myself that in the midst of all of this, I also deserve joy. Right. we, We can hold space for, our anger and Mm -hmm. grief and sorrow and rage. And we also deserve to cultivate peace and joy because that is Mm -hmm. part of our liberation to be able to claim that for ourselves, right. And find the ways of survival and resilience so that we can continue doing this work. And so when I see people get super, you know, they get super activated after, really terrible headlines and and news that comes out and they'll burn out quickly, right? Because it Mm -hmm. feels so overwhelming. Like you got to be doing all the things right here and now. But the reality is like, you got to pace yourself. Like you, like when that SCOTUS news drop, like we're, we're helping patients and at the same time, reminding our team, step away, take time for yourself, go do something that like fills you up and brings peace because that's the only way we stay sustainable in this work. And it's going to become a lot more intense. And so when you see people share, I need to step back, or I'm going to take my rest. Or when you see abortion funds, sometimes abortion funds are like, we got to close down for a week, like our team needs to rejuvenate, right? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and it sometimes it doesn't, it feels like that doesn't make sense when so many people right now need your help. And at the same time, there's real people behind this work. Like right. we also, they are also are, humans. we're also human. We're also experiencing, you know, the, the levels of the impact of this harm and trauma. And we're also holding space for like the people who are also navigating that. Right. And so um, if you, if people, if the public sees groups slowing down and maybe not having an active social media presence or maybe not releasing news every week on, on the next thing to do, it's because those real people are, are taking their time for rest and joy. Like right. they understand that we need to do this so that we can continue showing up in this work. Um, and so I encourage that for everyone. But for me, reconnecting with nature um, and spending time with my kids. I mean, I'll be transparent, like parenthood is very challenging for me. And it's mm-hmm. always been this practice of compassion um, for myself and also for little humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, that, that experience I have with them is also rooted in like why I do this work. And so right. Um, right. just trying to find that joy in the day-to-day life. I love that. Thank you so much, Luisa, for all of your knowledge and wisdom. And um, I hope that to have you on the podcast again and maybe under happier circumstances. Yes. When uh, we'll we'll see. We'll hope. We'll hope. I mean, the goal is abortion unrestricted, on demand and free for Arizona, right? That's like the vision we want. And we're working towards that. So we'll see what comes next. But thank you so much for inviting me again. I really enjoy being a guest on your podcast and happy to share all this with folks and everything will, will quickly change. So maybe yeah, another episode in a couple of weeks, because yeah. we'll have new things. Yeah. Okay. Well, until then, thank you and bye.